0: Today we're going to uh, wrap up this sermon series that I've been preaching, and for those of you who uh, don't like sports or particularly football, you may be you may be glad about wrapping this one up. But um, uh, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about getting in the game and winning for the kingdom of God. How many knows that God wants us to win for the kingdom? Amen. Win souls, win lost for the kingdom. And for the last few weeks. Um, That's what we've been talking about. The first week of this series, we established that everybody, say everybody, we established that everybody has a place on God's team. And then last week, which was Serve Sunday, we talked about playing your position, playing The position that God has given you and many of you. Actually, I said in the 845 service this morning, 75 or more of you. Actually, uh, I realized in between services it was closer to uh, 100 of you made a commitment to do just that. To get in the church and play the position that God has given you to to play. And as your pastor, I want to say this morning, thank you so much. From the bottom of our hearts For your willingness to serve Now maybe you weren't able to be here last week Or maybe you just didn't make a commitment last week But you feel the Lord telling you to do so I want you to know it's not too late today Um, You can sign up at the Welcome Center after the service If you didn't recommit for another year And you want to do that today They have those forms available at the Welcome Center You can stop by there and sign up And we still have free t-shirts Serve Sunday t-shirts for anybody that wants to sign up today And make that commitment But I want to encourage you to get in the game And play your position The position that God has given you to play And I promise you if you do It will make a difference Say amen somebody But today we're going to wrap up this series And I want to talk about this today Teams with stars win championships How many know that's right? Teams that have stars on them win championships And teams that Play their best with the, with the game on the line, win championships. Now listen, I don't know if you watched or not, but that was one of the best basketball games. We're talking about football today, but last night, that was one of the best basketball games I have watched in years. The lead changed place about 18 times, and it was right down to the wire. And uh, anybody else um, loathe Duke as much as I do in the house this morning? Can I get a witness? I got some I got some witnesses And the rest of your line. Amen, amen. But I was so glad this morning, uh, or last night, to see uh, North Carolina pull that game out. But you know what? Teams that play with their best, with the entire game on the line, those are the kind of teams that win championships, those that never give up. But now championship teams also share another common trait, and that is they generally have the reserves and the bench and players on that bench that step up right at the right time. Are you with me this morning? I want to talk briefly before we get into Scripture what is simply dubbed as the comeback it was the last game of the season and the Hall of Fame quarterback Jim Kelly suffered strained ligaments in his knee and the Buffalo Bills uh, fell to the Houston Oilers and then they had to turn right around and face the Oilers again the next week in the wild card game to try and keep their uh, playoff hopes alive they had to win that wild card game to make it to the playoffs and so the Oilers dominated the first half And they led 28-3 to in the first half But then entered the bench warmer And on the first drive of the second half A deflection thrown by this bench warmer Ends up as an interception returned for a touchdown And now they were down 35-3 to The bench warmer With 13 minutes and 19 seconds left in the third quarter The bench warmer Frank Reich Uh, Many of you know him, led the bills. Back to tie the Oilers As the clock was ticking down to zero From 35 to 3 To being tied at 38 And then in overtime The Bills intercepted a pass Kicked a field goal And they won the game 41 to 38 The bench warmer finished the game With 21 of 34 pass completions For 289 yards 4 touchdowns And 1 interception And to this present day It remains the largest comeback In NFL history And it was all led by a man, some call the greatest backup quarterback in the NFL. How many knows that God can turn it around? Does anybody believe that this morning? God can turn it around. If you will, stand with me. We're going to read just three verses of Scripture. This story takes a little bit different twist and turn today. We're still in the book of Jonah, chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. The word said... This change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You were eager to turn back from destroying people. Somebody say, thank God. Watch this Jonah after this good thing Says just kill me now Lord I'd rather be dead than alive If what I predicted or what I prophesied Will not happen I want to preach to you this morning for a few moments The last message in this series Today we're going to talk about Leaving it all on the field If you will pray with me one more time Father thank you for your mercy Thank you for your grace Thank you for your word Thank you for your presence we feel in this place Thank you for your precious people God we ask for the next few moments you would just remove every hindrance that would come against this service God we ask that you would anoint me to preach your word Lord not with the enticing words of men's wisdom but in the power and the demonstration of your spirit and God today we pray you to anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive what you're speaking to us today and that God we'd leave this place forever changed because we've been in your presence and we've heard and received your word and we'll give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in advance in the mighty name of Jesus we pray and everybody said Amen. You may be seen Jonah was furious. We see God do this awesome thing, but then we find that Jonah is furious about it. And so he loses his temper, and he yells at God. And the message translation of this same passage of Scripture said it this way. God, I knew it when I was back home. I knew that this was going to happen. That's why I ran off to Tarshish. I knew you were sheer grace and mercy. I knew God that you were not easily angered. I knew that you were rich in love and ready at the drop of a hat to turn your plans of punishment into a program of forgiveness. Is there anybody in the house this morning that will say I'm glad that God sometimes turns his plans of punishment into a program for forgiveness. Amen. So Jonah says, so God, if you won't kill them, then kill me. I'm better off dead. That's what Jonah had to say about it. Can I tell you this morning, and when you think about what happened in the good, that this story, the good turn that happened in this story, because first of all, Jonah, you got to remember, had been given this message by God. Now we live in in a day in a society where everybody wants to hear a motivational speaker. Everybody wants to hear a good, positive message. Everybody wants to come to church and be patted on the back and made to feel better than you were when you came in the door, even if maybe what you need is something else. Hello, somebody. Everybody wants a good, positive message. But we got to remember in this story, God spoke to Jonah, and he gave him a message, and the message was this. In 40 days, I'm going to destroy this place if they don't repent. Now, that's just cutting it to the chase. That's not a motivational message like you'd want to hear today, right? If I got up in the pulpit this morning and said, Y'all got 30 days to repent or burn. Some of y'all would be like, Wow, he was a little harsh this morning. But that's what, that was the message God gave Jonah. So Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh. But instead of going God's way, Jonah went down to Joppa. And at Joppa, he got on a ship that was going to Tarshish because he wanted to get as far away from Nineveh as he possibly could. Why? Because that was where God was directing him to go and what God was telling him to do. Can I tell you today that sometimes, like it or not, the message that God gives us is not always going to pat you on the back. It's not always going to make you feel good. It's not always going to fluff you up. See, here's the problem in the church today. You can't get anybody saved because you can't get anybody lost. Because nothing's sin anymore Nothing's wrong with anything that you do Everything you do is okay Everything's right So then when somebody else gets up and opens this book And breaks open the bread of life And they begin to preach the uncompromising Unadulterated word of God to you Sometimes it will do what the word says It'll cut you like a knife Because the word of God is quick And powerful And sharper Shh It'll slice you open when it gets preached sometimes. But you know what I find? So we see that God had Jonah do this. Jonah delivers the message and then God changes his mind. That's wonderful. Anytime God doesn't destroy 120,000 people, that's wonderful, right? But Jonah was upset about it. And I find that many times in this game, this is not a game, but this is an analogy that we're using. But many times in this game of winning for the kingdom, bench warmers stay on the bench because they have become cynical. Let's talk about the word cynical and what it means this morning. Cynical means this, according to Merriam-Webster. Contemptuously distrustful for human nature and motives. Doubtful as to whether something will happen or whether it is worthwhile. See, Jonah was not only willing to sit out of the game due to his anger, but he was also checked out because he was cynical. Jonah said, I knew it. I ran because I knew you would offer them grace. In other words, I knew, God, you wouldn't do what you said you would do. See, this is the bottom line of cynicism. Now, the reason that Jonah was upset is a little bit different than than the reason that we become cynical. Sometimes I hope we don't have anybody in the house this morning that gets upset When God don't destroy somebody But just in case we do But a lot of times we get cynical Over other things This is the bottom line of cynicism When when we say I knew God you wouldn't do What you said you would do We come to this place in the back of our minds And deep in our hearts Where we don't believe We don't believe See, Jonah was there. He was at that place. And he said, God, you said you would destroy them. But I didn't really believe that you would. He was cynical. Now I want to tell you this morning, cynicism benches us in the game of winning for the kingdom. Did you hear me? Cynicism will bench us in the game of winning for the kingdom. Because the first thing that cynicism does is it impacts belief. Cynicism impacts belief. I didn't really do, I didn't really believe you would do what you said you were going to do. That's what Jonah was saying. How many times in our life do we we believe that God is able, but we don't believe that He's really going to do what God said He would do? Are you with me this morning? And so... Jonah is only one example. There's many others throughout Scripture. You can read about Abraham and Sarah. After hearing God's promises that he'll give them a son in their old age, they were like, is God really going to do this? As a matter of fact, that's why they're asked the question, is anything too hard for God? I want to ask you this morning, is there anything that's too hard for our God? Then there was Gideon. Gideon had the attitude that some of y'all have. Gideon was hunkered down. The Bible said in the wine press, in the threshing floor. He was back in the corner, cowering away and hiding away. And he was saying, I'm the least of my tribe. You can't use me. God, you don't want to use me. That was Gideon. Then there was Zacharias. I preached on this. I believe it was Christmas before last. But Zacharias doubts the angel when the angel tells him his wife, Elizabeth, would have a baby named John, whom we know as John the Baptist. But do you remember what Zacharias says? I want you to listen for the cynicism. Here's what he said He said, God is sovereign. He is free to bestow his blessings on whomever he wishes. But for some inscrutable reason, he has withheld that blessing from us. In other words, I know God is able, but he won't do it for us. How many times have we said, I know God is able? But he won't do it for us Multiple examples of people throughout the Bible Who allow cynicism to interrupt or impact their level of belief Now listen to me this morning I submit to you that one of the greatest cancers in the body of Christ More importantly in the local body we know as the church And in most individuals The greatest cancer is cynicism Why? Why? because it's subtle we hide it we don't go out and tell people I don't believe God's gonna heal them I don't believe God's gonna do that I don't believe God's gonna move in this but many times we sit back and we hide it and we think I don't know what they're gonna do right? we're supposed to be praying the prayer of faith and we say I don't know what they're gonna do poor pitiful them What, what are they gonna do? We hide cynicism. We ignore it. We make excuses for it. But ultimately, I want to tell you, we're destroyed by it. We sing songs like we just sung this morning. We believe for it, right? We sing another song that says, since when has impossible ever stopped you? We get to that bridge and we sing, my God is able to save and deliver and heal and restore anything that he wants to. Just ask the man who was thrown on the bones of Elijah if there's anything God won't do. The man who was thrown on the bones of Elijah was dead. Is there anything God won't do? Just ask the stone that was rolled from the tomb in the garden. What happens when God says to move? And we sing, I feel Him doing it now. I feel Him moving it now. And all the while, if you was to get us to try to believe for something, we're doing nothing but singing, going through the motions, and we're full of cynicism in the church today. I'm about to preach right now. Do you want to know why the old church used to see me? do you want to know why you hear stories of your ancestors and your elders when they would pray and anoint people and lay hands on necks and cancerous tumors would fall off do you want to know why you know the stories when they would go to the hospitals and pray for people God would raise them up out of the bed send them home and they'd never be sick anymore do you want to know why you've heard stories and I've heard them when they wanted to go pray for somebody and the car wouldn't start they'd go out in the driveway lay hands on the car and say I've got somewhere to be, I'm going on business for the king start up in the name of Jesus and the car would start it's because when they prayed they believed that the God they served was not only able to do it but he was going to do it but in the church today we allow, unknowingly allow cynicism to cause us to doubt and not believe But see, deep down, many times we stay on the sidelines like Jonah. Because we don't really believe that God will do what he said he would do for us. And we don't believe sometimes that he can do what he said he could do through us. Cynicism makes us numb. Cynicism, listen to me, cynicism kills hope. I know it's not really popular to tell this, and y'all start trying to figure out where I've been, but in uh, in in the in street jargon, it ain't none of your business. <laughs> don't worry about that part. Just listen to what I'm about to say. I remember a time when the Holy Spirit moved upon me. I was serving in ministry at a church, and the Holy Spirit moved upon me to ask a man. I never force anybody. You know me. If you've been going here any time, I don't think I've called a single one of you out ever Unless the Lord really moves on me, I don't do stuff like that. But the Lord moved upon me in the worship that day to go to that man and ask him if he wanted to be anointed and prayed for for healing. According to to James chapter 5. The word said, is there any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up and so he said yes I do and we brought him up front we anointed him and we prayed for him this man I know the news didn't look good he had stage four cancer and it didn't look good the doctors hadn't given him a good report nobody else was giving him a good report but we prayed the prayer of faith that day and then I'm going to be honest with you and tell you this is why I said it's unpopular to tell but it it is what it is Uh, I said cynicism kills hope After that service, uh, the pastor, actually was who it was, came to me and said, don't ever do that again. I said, don't ever do what again? Don't ever do that again. Call somebody out and pray for them like that again. I said, I didn't call him out. I went to him and asked him if he wanted prayer. And he said he did want prayer. And we prayed according to the word. He said, you didn't do anything except give him false And I stood there for a moment and I said, excuse me? It was that fine line where respect of position, are you with me this morning? And then... That line of the tribe of Judah that was wanting to roar out of the inside of me was raising up. Because I want to tell you something this morning. And you hear me when I say this. It ain't worth my time to roll out of bed at 5 a.m. on Sunday morning, lay on my family room floor, on my face in prayer, and then get ready after being tired and worn out all week. Get myself ready and try to be presentable and fixed up and come to church at 8 a.m. so we can have the first service at 8.45 and then another service at 10.30. And preach the word of God. It ain't worth my time to lay on my face. And ask God to anoint me. And to use me. And to remove the hindrances and the distractions. And anoint you to hear and to receive. It ain't worth my time to do any of that. If the God I serve is not able to do exceedingly and abundantly. Above everything we could ask or think. But it's according. What's the scripture say? It's according to the power that's at work in us. You know what's wrong with the church today? There ain't no power at work within us. Oh yeah, going to get quiet now. We can have good productions. We can have good music. We can have good entertainment. We can have nice websites. We can do all the fluffy things that make it all look good. But there ain't no power inside the church. God give us a church that's got the power of the Holy Ghost. We need that power. Cynicism kills hope. One man said this. Cynicism is so pervasive that at times it feels like a presence. Cynicism is the air we breathe, and it is suffocating our hearts. Weariness and fear leave us feeling overwhelmed, unable to move. Anybody ever feel that way? Cynicism leaves us doubting, unable to dream. The combination shuts down our hearts, and we just show up for life and go through the motions. Anybody ever feel like you're just showing up for life and going through the motions? How can you believe for more Or for better, if you don't really believe in your heart Listen to me this morning We must fight against, and I mean fight Against our fleshly tendency to become cynical Or it will impact our ability to believe Whenever there is a gap between what God is doing And what you understand You have the choice what to fill that gap with You choose to either fill that gap with cynicism or you fill it with belief and trust. You fill it with belief and trust. Uh, In Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all. Say all. That don't leave any room for any reservation. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Listen. Trust is needed when understanding is absent. Did you hear me? Trust is needed when understanding is absent. And it is impossible to trust God with all your heart and be cynical at the same time. It's impossible. You must choose to believe and trust. How many of y'all in here this morning have some personal preferences? Are the rest of y'all just liars? How many of y'all have some personal preferences? Let me see your hands. Did you know I've got personal preferences too? I do. I I prefer certain things certain ways. I like, listen to our daycare director laugh. I guess I can't say amen, I'll say oh me. I know what she's talking about. I have personal preferences. I prefer certain things certain ways. When it comes to music, I like all kinds of music. I don't know if anybody else is like me, but I do. I'm a musical guy. I love all kinds of music. Um, I love, uh, I even love bluegrass gospel. Some of y'all are putting the green faced emoji right now. Like that. I love, I like country gospel. I like southern gospel. I like black gospel. I like contemporary Christian. I like praise and worship. I I mean, I, I like all genres of music. And I realize everybody don't. I've got, do you know that there are things... Even in this church, that are not necessarily my personal preferences. Because God called me to pastor, He didn't call me to dictate. Hello. And so I know everybody's got personal preferences. So I want you to realize something this morning. Sometimes even some of the specific things that you may see in this church are not necessarily my personal preferences. But that doesn't mean that they're in disalignment with the word of God. Hello somebody. I know how sometimes people can be. We, we've had people that are, are looking around before and say, you know, that visited here. and what, What's the lights for? Why they got the light? Why they got to sing off the wall? Why they got to have the screen? Why they got to do this? Why they got to do that? Let me tell you something this morning. Some people don't prefer all that. And that's fine. That's their personal preference. But you know what I like about it? Here's what I like about it. Nothing that we've done so far has ever stopped the Holy Ghost from moving amongst us. Nothing we've ever done so far has stopped the flow of soul. Being added to the kingdom I thank God we've seen them saved Rededicated, baptized And in this morning In the 845 service Even as I was speaking this Right before I spoke this The Holy Ghost spoke in our service and, And God spoke to his people I want to tell you something this morning It's not about personal preferences It's not about personal agendas It's about winning for the kingdom of God And in order to do that, we must believe again. That's why it's so important that we gather together like we do so that we can remind each other that your situation can change. Are you with me? It may not look good this morning, but it can change. That God is in control, God is still on the throne. We come together to remind each other that God will intervene. That God will never leave us or forsake us. And also get this. To remind each other that your gift will make a difference. Jonah's gift made a difference in 120,000 people. We come together to remind each other that there is hope. There is always hope. And there is no such thing. As false hope in Jesus. Say amen somebody. We stir up each other's ability to believe again. That's faith. When we believe. Paul said stir up the gift that's within you. Your testimony. Or your story of God's faithfulness. Cancels cynicism that tries to creep into our hearts. And steal our belief. We're here to remind each other that. God is in control Look at your neighbor and tell them You can trust God Come on look at him and tell them Say it like you mean it Say God is able See folks We have several roles to play here On Sundays We have several roles to play here on Sundays And believe it or not You're not just here So that you can usher Or greet Run the technology Even teach kids Or even worship We're here on Sundays to build each other up in the most holy faith. To cancel out the cynicism that the enemy wants to send against us. Do you know that somebody you are sitting to right now may not really believe that their situation can change? Do you realize that? They may not really believe that they can be free. We're to challenge that every time we come together and encourage each other. Listen, let me tell you something this morning. Let me tell you something today. It ain't morning anymore, so for those of you that are thinking, it's afternoon, Pastor. I'll correct myself. We don't ever, ever need to be a people that judge other people. Everybody can be free. We don't need to have this churchy attitude that, well, they ain't never going to get it right. They ain't never going to get set free. Somebody came to me a few weeks ago and apologized because a guest that they invited to the service came to the service, let's just say intoxicated. And so they apologized to me, and I stopped them, and I said, whoa, whoa, wait just a second. Let me tell you something. I said, when people are addicted to alcohol, when they're addicted to drugs, this is where they need to be. When they're addicted, wait a minute, I ain't done. When they're addicted to homosexuality, this is where they need to be. When they've been in the honky-tonk on Saturday night, partying it up and drinking it hard, this is where they need to be on Sunday morning. When they've been living like hell through the week, this is where they need to be on Sunday morning. God's church was never meant to be a museum for the righteous. But it was always meant to be a hospital for every sin sick soul so that God could save, deliver, and heal. Secondly, and I gotta wrap this up cynicism, it impacts your belief, but it also impacts your behavior. Y'all were shouting right then, now you're gonna get real quiet. I want you to notice that cynicism impacted Jonah's behavior. It caused him, first of all, to run from serving, it caused him to sulk. When God responds to Nineveh's repentance Have you ever known people That even though something was going good in the church And if I'm preaching against you, I'm sorry Nobody's came to me and told me anything So don't think that But have you ever known people in the church When God's moving and God's doing something big They want to sit back and sulk And be upset Over something that don't mean a hill of beans In comparison to eternity? This is what Jonah did. God responded to Nineveh's repentance, and Jonah wants to go sit and sulk because God didn't destroy him. Listen, his behavior was a direct result of his cynicism. How is cynicism, just ask yourself the question how is cynicism impacting your behavior? Because what you believe or what you don't believe Dictates your behavior Let me see if I can pinpoint just a few ways really quickly That cynicism impacts our behavior towards God First of all, if I don't believe that God will honor His word to me And heal me Then I may not ever receive my healing Now you need to understand that sometimes God doesn't heal people on this earth Sometimes He gives them their ultimate healing in heaven And in that glorified body We can't even imagine what that's like this morning But if I don't believe that To honor God's That God will honor His word to heal me Then I may never receive my healing I may self-medicate Hello somebody And try to find my relief somewhere else If I don't really believe that God will deliver me Then I may take matters into my own hands I might make decisions and choices That I think will bring me freedom Only to discover they only produce more bondage I know some people living like that And I'm not willing to wait for God's means God's pace And God's process of deliverance Sometimes deliverance is a process Sometimes the alcoholic or the drug addict gets up from the altar and yes, they accepted Jesus. But yes, tomorrow they've still got a craving for what they used to sin with. But God, sometimes deliverance is a process. But if we'll trust the process, and if we'll pray, and if we'll believe, we will see God do the work. If I don't believe He'll provide for me, y'all will not shout on this one. Then I'll take matters into my own hands and I'll keep my tithes because I'll say I can't afford to give them. Woo-hoo. I'm so glad I don't look at who gives what. And right now I ain't going to look at y'all either. If I don't believe that God will comfort me, listen to me. That I may find something else to use as a substitute to produce temporary comfort in my life. If I didn't really believe that God would order my steps or that it was God's plan to prosper me, then when times get tough, I'd choose my own path. And if I didn't really believe that God could use me and that my gift matters, then I'll sit on the sidelines and do nothing for the kingdom of God. What you believe matters. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Before I read it, let's talk about what faith is, first of all. I didn't give them this scripture, so we're going to talk about this, but... Let's talk about what faith is. First of all, Hebrews. Most of you, some of you, know it and can quote it. But now, faith—the word said—is the substance. Substance is something you can see, touch, feel, hold on to. It's tangible. Faith is the substance of things. Uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. So, faith is the substance of something you're hoping for and the evidence of something you've not seen yet. That's what faith is. Faith is believing that not only God can, but God will. So I'm going to continue praying in faith until my eyes see what my heart and and my soul is hoping for and longing for. That's what faith is. It's that substance, that tangible part of what I'm hoping for and it's the evidence of what I cannot see. Now watch this. But without what? I just defined faith to you. It's impossible. Impossible. It didn't say without faith you might not please him. It says without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe. That he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is understanding Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26. With men this is impossible. But with God all things are possible. Faith is understanding Mark chapter 9 and verse 23. Jesus said to them, watch this, if, say if. There's one of those conditional promises again If you can believe All things are possible To him that believes You've got to believe first If you can believe All things are possible Cynicism will cause me to behave differently towards God But it will also cause me to behave differently towards other people I'll get ahead of God Or detour from God Due to lack of belief But I'll also behave differently towards other people. Listen, if I don't really think you can change then I won't rely on you. If I don't really think you can be set free then I'll always be suspicious of you if you've really been set free. If I don't really think that you can be different after Jesus than you were before Jesus then I'll just I'll hold you at arm's length and I'll keep you away but you know what will happen? I'll miss the gift that you were supposed to be in my life. We never need to miss the Gifts That God wants to be in our life I look over this crowd this morning And I see some of you If we had judged you maybe on the way you looked Or the way you acted Or the way you were living When you first walked through those doors You may never be where you are today But thanks be to God What a beautiful gift you are To the kingdom of God We ought to give the Lord some praise for that this morning They can go ahead and come to the music If I don't really think that Jesus has entered your life, then I'll hold you hostage to what you were before Jesus. See, we got to come back to this place where we not only believe in God again, but we got to believe in God's people again. And I want to take that a step further. We need to believe in what God wants to do through His people again. And I'm not telling you to trust everybody. I am telling you to trust the right people. You do need to test people and vet people, friends, and those that you let in your close circle. But once you've tested them and once you've vetted them, we need to believe in the right people again. We need to drop the suspicion in the church. And let me say this, not because anybody in the back needs it worse, but as they say right now, uh, as they say today, let me say it right now. I'm going to say it louder for those in the back. Listen to me when I say this this morning. Quit acting like the grace that God has given you is sufficient for you. But it's not sufficient for somebody else's issues. Did you hear me? Quit acting like the grace that God has given you is sufficient for your issues. But it's deficient when it comes to their issues. Maybe you have been burned before. Maybe you have been betrayed before. Maybe you have been disappointed even in the church. But I'm challenging you this morning to fight the cynicism that will try to cause you to behave towards the right people. As if they were the wrong people. Listen, that hurt, and folks, I know, I'm well aware, it may even be church hurt. But that hurt that you experienced in the past, you have to choose to either be angry or available. But you can't be both. You either got to choose to be angry or available, but you can't be both. Today, I'm challenging you to realize that you have a choice to make. You can be cynical. Or you can be sent and cynicism will mess up your sent unless you deal with it Jesus would have never told us to go if he didn't think we were capable of going he would have never told us to do if he didn't think we were capable of doing he promised us that he would go with us, he promised us that he would do with us, so when he puts us in the game, listen this is all he asks, he wants us to leave it all Give it everything you've got. Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20. Some of you can quote it. Therefore, do what? Do what? Go. Make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. Paul said, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable always work enthusiastically do you catch that word anybody ever been to church and looked at everybody on the stage and half of them look like they don't want to be there I told the praise team this morning I already, I already did it I said I'm preaching to the choir well not the choir the praise team I've done that before anybody ever knew some people that the, the best way I know to say this is they were outwardly visibly very Christian But They were some of the hatefulest, meanest people you ever met before. Anybody ever known some of them? Yeah? Hello? I want you to notice what this scripture says. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. I told them in the room this morning as we prayed before we came out for this service. I said, don't forget that these folks wasn't here at 845. I know we were, but let's give God the best we've got the second time around. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. Watch this. For you know that what? Nothing. Nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Nothing. You can't do anything that is useless to God if it's for God and for His kingdom. I don't care if it's cleaning the toilets. I don't know about some of y'all, but I appreciate a clean toilet. Amen. Somebody. If that's your job in God's kingdom, it's never useless for the kingdom of God. John chapter four, or 9 and verse 4. We must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. night's coming and then nobody can work I want to ask you if you will stand with me all over the room this morning folks I believe God is telling us it's time to get in the game it's time to play your position whatever that is play your position for the Lord and when you're playing your position leave everything you've got on the field for Jesus because the harvest is ripe but the laborers are few I want to close with this passage of Scripture, John chapter four, and verse thirty-five. Because what we're guilty of sometimes is we say, Oh, I'll 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 do that later. I'll I'll give I'll I'll serve later. I'll give that to God later, I'll get right with the Lord later. Here's what Jesus said. He said, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Listen. I believe it's time to reap a harvest. I said, I believe it is time to reap a harvest. Right here on 17th Street in Corbin, Kentucky, I believe that God has prepared all of us for a harvest. Do you believe that? But here's what we have to do. We have to believe it, but then we have to believe it. For it. Did you hear me? There's a difference. I'm so thankful for how God confirms everything. Pastor Nicholas already said this morning the Lord showed him through those doors the prodigals were coming home. you have got to believe it, but we also have to believe for it. See, the reality is that too much was at stake if Jonah didn't play his position. Your position on God's team will make a game changing difference. God, raise up some people off the bench and the sidelines this morning who will get in the game and who will leave everything on the field for you. Listen, maybe you're here today and you're not in the game yet. It's your time to get in. Don't leave here. If you've never accepted Jesus, whatever you do, don't leave here. Maybe if you have accepted Him but you've been far away from Him, He's calling for you. To come back to Him today. I said He's calling for you to come back to Him today. You cannot cannot have gone far enough. You cannot have sinned enough. You cannot be far enough away that He will not reach down His hand and pick you up and put you back on the field for Him. Don't leave here without Him. And I want to talk to the rest of us right before we open this altar. Maybe you have something in your life today that you need to believe God for. Maybe you need some others to believe God with you. If you do, I want to invite you in just a moment when everybody comes to pray, will you bring that down with you today and will you leave it all on the